Live statewide on the Ref Radio Sports Network, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. Hit up the guys on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439 or sound off on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Now, live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's the T-Row in the Morning Show with Toby Rowland and T.J. Perry. Here's the basket, picks the Kessler. Walker hands back to Lowry, 4-3. Drop it like it's hot, Lowry! Drop it like it's hot! 122-115! Tigers win it here in Chapel Hill, their second win ever. Clemson wins it over North Carolina, 80-76. to Wilson shovels it to Dunn, left wing, shot fake. Left corner, Shed for three, it's good, and Shed is feeling it. Seven to shoot, McCollum, step back, three-pointer, got it! What do you got for me, Toby? How you like us now? Unhitch the wagon, put the ponies in the barn. Boomer soon. Inbounds, Robinson, three seconds, two seconds. Porter Moser shakes hands with Mark Pope. This one's for you, TK. Final score tonight in Norman, Oklahoma 82, BYU 66. Hour two, Wednesday, Feb 7. Toby and TJ back with you here on the Rathfoma Sooner fans. That's how it went down in the LNC last night. A home win. Let's discuss. Javian McCullum, 20. Milo Shuzan, 16. TJ, you watched this game from the comfort of your couch. What should I think about this contest last night? Slow start, which is becoming a trend, so that's kind of worrisome. They have seemed to have been stuck in mud a little bit in the first half of games getting their offense going. But, man, um, they locked down the last four minutes of that first half, held BYU uh, scoreless for... I think, what, the last three minutes and 50 seconds, something like that, of the uh, first half went on that nice run to tie it up and then kind of just kept it going in the second half. And the second half was a really, really good half of basketball for them. And um, you had talked about leading into that game, live by the three, die by the three. And last night, OU did a tremendous job, one, holding them under their season average of how many threes they take and keeping them – under 10 for the game was huge and kept the streak alive they they kept the streak alive and just a really nice second half Jalen Moore just got things going in that second half scoring all of his points there and um really good half of basketball I thought I would like to start by saying it's unfortunate we only play BYU once because I'm going to miss saying Atiki Ali Atiki that is a fun (laughs) name to say Atiki Ali Atiki. Try to say it, TJ. It's a lot of fun to say. Atiki Ali Atiki Tiki. Yeah, that's close. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, fascinating game because OU came in determined to take away the three. And kind of did it. Now, they got up a bunch late when they had to shoot threes. Mm-hmm. So they ended up taking 26 threes on the night, BYU. But only made eight. And for the majority of the game, the three-pointer was not near as big of a uh, a weapon as normal. They normally take well north of 33s a game. Um, and 
BYU kind of settled on, it's not settled because it was working for him in the first half, the pick and roll with Hall and Traore. Traore was and tearing it up there. He's, he's great. He's such a, I, I told you, man, isn't he the church league dude that can't jump, but he can just, he just dices you up. And he just backed that big old butt right under the rim, <laughs> and nobody could do anything about it. Sam, the one time he got called for the uh, pushing in the back, uh, it was just like, uh, all right, I've had enough here. Your butt's pushed me around way too yeah. much tonight. He's just like, boom, 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 and you're under the rim. <laughs> Even like Jalen Moore is a big, strong guy. He just went, boom, boom, he's right under the rim. Uh, he went for 21. And in the first half, that combo, Hall's hitting threes. Troy is scoring at the rim. And BYU's ahead. And they're not making threes, but that combination is is working for them. And we'll we'll hear from Porter here in a second. But they changed a little bit how they defended it, and they got better at it. And then OU started to really execute on the offensive end. And uh, quite an achievement holding those guys to eight made threes. It's just the fifth time this year they've, they haven't got to single dig or to double digits in three point makes. They ended up out rebounded them. Oh, you did. They only had eight turnovers. They made their free throws. Um, it's kind of hard to find much to complain about. I mean, yeah, JV McCollum got going. He had a really good game where he yeah. struggled offensively some in uh, recent games. So Milo's uh, played well. Mm-hmm. He hadn't scored in a while. He was rolling last night. Uh, Tega's still struggling a bit, but he didn't force it as much last night, I thought. Suarez keeps playing well. I'm guessing his strategy, uh, BYU's coach strategy at the end there, the last four or five minutes fouling so early was, we'll give them their two and we'll take threes. So, this was a popular discussion on the uh, radio broadcast last night. They start fouling with like three minutes plus left. Very frustrating, very aggravating, (laughs) yes. But they keep fouling JV and McCollum. Mm-hmm. And he kept he keeps making free throws. And so I think you're right. I think the strategy is we're good at making threes. We're gonna foul you, even though it's there's more time left than normally you would start this process. Because even if you make your free throws, we're gonna come down and make a three and we're still gonna gain one in the process. Okay. That's a somewhat understandable stra- strategy. Here's the problem. You're not going to make all your threes, and he's going to make all his free throws. Yeah, I think they were banking on the struggles they've had at the line recently, I guess is what that was. I guess that's what he was thinking. Well, they've struggled at the line. Fine. But don't 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 foul JV and wait until it's in someone else's hands. Well, let me be more specific. Sam Godwin, Otega Owe, and occasionally some other guys have struggled at the line. Right, right. Javian McCollum is the best free throw shooter in the Big 12. He's 92%. He's one of the best in the country. If you're going to do that, you've got to force the ball out of his hands to somebody else. I mean, correct. You know, whoever that is. There are some other guys that shoot in the 80s, but get it out of the hands of the guy that shoots 92% and never misses. Otherwise, it's a losing strategy. It's a terrible strategy. And Kevin kept trying to talk me into why they're doing it. I'm like, I get you. I hear what you're saying. It's a terrible strategy if Javian McCollum is the guy you're going to intentionally foul. There's plenty of time left. You don't have to settle on fouling him. Trap him, force him to pass it, and then foul that guy. 
So I thought it was just it was if it, 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 it was maybe in other circumstances an understandable strategy, but in the specific circumstance of taking on a very good free throw shooting team across the board and the best free throw shooter in the Big Twelve in JV and McCollum, they just dug themselves a bigger and bigger hole. Mm-hmm. It went from an eight point game to a. 16 point game. To uh, you've got no chance now with two and a half left and you're down 16. Yeah. 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 So it was fascinating to see him start intentionally fouling that early, though. There was a stretch there when Hall got hot that you thought, oh, no. Um, but then uh, they kind of got that under control. But that kid, yeah, had a, that kid had a good shot. Good pass. He hit three two. in a row. Mm-hmm. Three in a row in the first half. Uh, four of them all together. They go 8 of 26, BYU does last night. That's 31% from three. Uh, so the Sooners will, uh, and it, it, they are still the best team in the Big 12 at defending the three-point arc. Top, I think they were number five in the country in that category going into last night, and that number shouldn't move a lot. They were at 28% on the season, and they gave up 31% last night. So they're still going to be right there. And uh, so, I like I said, I think it's a good matchup. It was a good matchup. OU defends the three-point arc well, and they did. And BYU doesn't have a bunch of shot blockers. So the driving of McCollum and Yuzan and Owe and Moore and Sorez that they like to do, and they can do, when they get to the rim and there's a seven-footer there, that's been a problem this year. And BYU... They're big, his big guys, Ali Khalifa, 6'11", and he wasn't there last night. He was sick. So that wasn't an issue, and, and it made for a, a good night for the Sooners. Here's what Porter had to say after the game. Coach, congratulations. What a tremendous second half, especially final 10 minutes by your team tonight. You know what? I thought I thought the energy defensively against one of the top offices of the country. Yeah. We kept them to point nine point eight points per possession. That's under one point per possession, which they haven't hasn't happened all year. And wow. uh, they are so hard to guard, and they just – and our guys communicated so well. I thought their communication – we've talked about sometimes in some of the early home losses, our communication in the second half. I thought they were outstanding, you know, outstanding. If it wasn't for – we sent them to the free throw line a bunch down the stretch. But, like um, – but for us, you know, we made more threes than they did. Um, you know, we took the same amount. We talked so much – I've been talking this morning about yeah. we want to get more threes. We want to push that pace. And uh, it was a great fast break and a key moment to get separation. We got a rebound, and we threw it all the way length of the court to Javion for a layup. And, uh, but just defensively, to, to go against the number one offense and to keep them, you know, at 66, what was, was it? Just uh, phenomenal defensive performance, really, really for the guys to, to get this win. First half, they were going to that uh, to Triore in the pick and roll over and over again. Did you change anything on how you tried to defend that? We just did it better. Like so, we changed our pick and roll defense altogether because Thirty's so good at just picking you apart and spraying it for threes, and that's why I think we limited. So we were giving up some twos, but at halftime they were eight of twenty-one from two. Mm-hmm. All right, our, uh, so that was. Um, you know, they had 16 points on 21 shots, which so it, I know it seemed like, oh, man, they got the dunk. They got those two. But we were keeping them away from the three. Right. and It was efficient. Um, what we did better was we switched earlier. Like we call it a veer. We switched earlier. We got into the, the, the big faster so they didn't have that pocket roll as much. And uh, I think that was a good, you know, I just, I just it wasn't as much of adjustment. It's just we talked about it and just did it better. It's weird to say you held a team 
to only making eight threes. But for them, that's only the fifth time all year they haven't made double-digit threes in a game. It was really a, a, a focus of your defense tonight. Right? No question. Our guys, um, you know, they really, you know, really prepped hard for this. And, and uh, the preparation for here and to play well on this court um, was big. Um, and I think that was uh, big with the way they defended uh, all night long. JB in 20 points, Milo 16. A guy that didn't, you know, isn't big on the stats, but I thought played really well for you tonight is John Hughley off the bench. You know, John did some really nice things. Um, you know, he got eight points, two assists. Um, you know, I thought, I, I think um, Rivaldo continues mm-hmm. to be an unbelievable spark off the bench. 12 points, but his energy, his passion to win was just something to be seen. I mean, it was really, really good. Finally, Coach, special night. Great to get the win tonight, especially the long day it's been for Sooner Nation. No, heavy heart tonight. I really thought of TK hearing that song play when we won, and just a heavy heart for TK. And, um, you know, gosh darn, the, the, they kept on playing his songs during the game, and it, it, I normally don't even know what song they play, but yeah. it just kind of hit me every time I heard it. And uh, to his family, um, to his Trisha and, and his three kids and all the friends out there, no doubt our guys were in there, and uh, we played this one for TK. Way to go, Coach. All right, guys. So I thought it was uh, – oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something, Teach? No, no, just turn it on the mic. I thought um, it was it was interesting because Porter Moser basically said, all right, I see your uh, undersized post with a big old butt. I counter with my own. <laughs> And ended up kind of slowing him down at that point because John was a, a little more able to, uh, not that he didn't score after that, but he didn't have as much success against Hughley as he did against Moore and Godwin when he tried to guard him. Uh-huh. And I hope that the takeaway from this game for John Hughley is watching Triore, who's a very similar body type, is actually a little shorter than John is, you know, athletic ability, weight, everything is very similar. And saying, oh, use it to like your I advantage. could do that. Yeah. Like I could do that. Uh, only he's also got a three point shot. Like Triore can't step out and hit the three. John could step out and hit the three and could have like a crafty game around the rim like this guy. He could back people down like, like Triore did. Like, you know, so hopefully he could that watch. Triore last night and go all right this summer i'm gonna i'm gonna watch a thousand hours of that guy play and i'm gonna bring that into my game next year because that'd be fun to watch yeah and uh i think john causes more reaction on uh watching porter than maybe any player that he has uh there was a shot last night that hugely took that (laughs) when you watch porter he was wearing that great was it gray pullover last night that they had yeah the gray Mm -hmm. pullovers that they had and he he grabs the bottom of it and like rips it upwards as if he's about to rip the the pullover <laughs> off and then kind of catches himself and then like straightens it back out. <laughs> well, he made one shot where he like went stumbling across the lane and just threw it up yeah. like a reverse layup as he <laughs> right. was falling down and it went in. Yes. He's funny. He's funny. Props. Well, good win. No, uh, yeah. Credit that's to him. 17. They're 5-5. Five and five. That's 17. We always try to get them to 20. So 20 minus 17. That's three more, TJ. <laughs> that's right. With eight games to go, and OSU's on that schedule twice, and I'm not taking OSU for granted, trust me, but the last-place team in the Big 12's on there twice. Mm-hmm. I think they're sitting good. 
think they're sitting in a good spot. Just take care of your home games if you can. I mean, just really. I mean, that's difficult when you know that Kansas and Houston are a couple of those teams at home on the horizon. So, but yeah, you got OSU still twice, once here, once in Stillwater. And um, if you get those, and you should now, for OSU, that's probably going to be their season, especially that game yeah, in Stillwater. Sure. They're going to play, play out of their, their minds. minds. Yeah. But you can still take both those games, and then that leaves you knocking on the door of needing one to, to lock yourself. Obviously, you want them to get more than three wins here of course. out of the eight games, but to lock yourself in, that's kind of what you're looking at for them. Four home games left, OSU, Cincinnati, Kansas, and Houston. Four road games left, uh, OSU, Baylor, Iowa State. OSU, Baylor, Iowa State. What what array game am I missing, Teach? Let's see here. Mm-hmm. Clicking on the schedule now. OSU, okay. Baylor. Uh, Iowa Texas. Oh, Texas. Texas. Last game of the year, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think I think 9-9 nine and nine is definitely possible, and if you play well better, then that's possible. So, needed that one last night and played well. We'll be back. The T-Row in the Morning Show is brought to you every day by the Riverwind Casino and Hotel, OKC's number one gaming destination. The one for entertainment, the one for games, the one for fun. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. T-Row in the Morning Show, this hour brought to you by Hightower Clinical. Trial opportunities right here in uh, Oklahoma. No cost or insurance needed to participate. Medication provided for free. Locations all around the metro area, including coming soon to Ardmore, HightowerClinical.com. Call or text 405-831-5905. Um, I'll also give credit with the game last night to uh, an outfit that not many people could pull off. I'm guessing this might have been Mark Pope's wife last night, but the all-satin outfit. Yeah, that was her. Uh, <laughs> not many can pull off behind the bench satin pink pants and an old school satin BYU jacket. <laughs> and she did not look happy all night to be there. Now, they end up losing in the end and they find themselves down in the second half, but every time uh they showed her, it looked like she was just disgusted to uh to be sitting there. Well, they had <laughs> been in Norman for like 48 hours, so <laughs> They're like there's no mountains here. But these satin outfits stood out. It's like, "Holy cow, look at that thing." So <laughs> In fact, How about that? We faced back-to-back uh, college legend slash NBA players. Johnny Dawkins and Mark, Mark Pope. Pope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Boynton does not fall into that uh, category. <laughs> He's a fabulous player in his day, but not an NBA player, I don't think. Oh, I just saw this one. It's, uh, Clinton Tulsa is telling us on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line to run outside and look at the sunrise. Yeah, it's a good one. Is it a good one today? Well, the, the the beauty of it is kind of slipped past now. Oh, I mean, okay. it, we, we, the uh, colorful striations that we had about five minutes ago or something else. Yeah, so. he sent this a good 20 minutes ago. I'm just now seeing it. Thank you Teach, for the heads uh, up. If you don't mind, let's give Plank a call. He's about to get call on him? Plane. Okay, I'll call him then. Let's All do right. an early crossover here. Uh, Plank's at the airport with the OU softball team. About to get on a plane for uh, Mexico for the season opener tomorrow. And uh, so let's see if we can touch base with him real fast and uh, get a live report with the champs in Dallas. I believe they're flying out of Dallas down there, if I remember correctly. And then Josh Helmer will be hosting his show a little bit later today. 
10.30 tomorrow morning, the season opener against Utah Valley. It's here. Softball season's here. I can't wait. Uh, this team is loaded again this season. And uh, you'll hear, hear every pitch with our man Chris Plank. It's time for the crossover brought to you by Orthostat. Injuries aren't convenient, but Orthostat is. Orthopedic care seven days a week, no appointment needed. And now with the crossover, here's Toby Rowland, Chris Plank, and TJ Perry. Was that off the top of your head? That's pretty good. Was that, that off the top of my head? Were you reading something? Or was oh, yeah, I had the script here in front. Oh, okay. <laughs> <That wasn't>, oh. <laughs> yeah. okay, Plank, so update us. Uh, where are you? Uh, we are in the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport T-Row. Um, we leave at 8. Ooh, boarding starts at 7.35 a.m. for the three-time defending champs to take off for Port of Vallarta. So I thought it might be kind of fun to get a little uh, yeah. slice of life before we jump on the bird. And thank you to you and Kevin and Draker by uh, – I timed it where the soundtrack to the drive down here to Fort Worth was the OU win, and uh, nice. that was a great way to end it, man. Great way to end it. So, fun morning. We're um, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed with about a 5 a.m. wake-up call to make sure you can get everyone over here and ready to go for this uh, for this trip to Puerto Vallarta, third time they've gone. Yeah, what is the mood of the team for an early morning flight like this? We, are we dragging yeah, a bit? No, no, no. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of wild, T-Row. It, there, there's certain parts, and I think we've been like this. You think about diamond sports are a little different, right? You think about guys like the Dylan Overtons that have been that played for a while, that Garrett carries from the baseball side of it, the softball side, like the Lauren Chamberlains. And when you realize it's their last year, it's like, dang man, this is their last year. So I am, uh oh, am I in trouble, Coach? I'm talking to Toby. Right? You want to say hey, hi, coach. Toby? Hi, Coach. <laughs> no, I no, I am. I am. I'm on the radio right now. Okay, she's she, uh, listen. A lot of celebrities around here, Toby. Patty Gasso just uh, just said, "No, we we, we got to talk in private." So I'm going to get oh, some boy. scoop here in a little bit. Yeah, oh. let's go. But make sure you text us all after she tells you what she's got to tell you in private, so we can public. <laughs> she's, public that, she's the best. She's the best. She walks by. She goes, "It sounded like you were doing an interview." I'm like, "I am." <laughs> That's exactly what's going on right now. Uh, but anyway, it's it's. You want to immerse yourself and embrace every moment when you know it's their last year, right? So uh, you get the sense that everyone, not just on you know, the sports side, the coaches' side, but you, you sense it with these players. And uh, it's really cool, man, to think that this is the last first for a T.R.A. Jennings and a Jada Coleman and a Kinsey Hansen. Uh, and here is a, a trip that has you know, been something that you get to go to usually once in your career. I think 17 and, and then 20 they went. And now you got a couple two-timers and Kinsey Hanson and Riley Boone who have both been on this trip. So it's really it's – a, it's a first that I think we're all just kind of simmering in and immersing ourselves in right now as they get ready to get down and get a little workout in today. Hey, question. What, what time zone is Puerto Vallarta in? We're all in the central time zone, man. Really? Uh, yeah, nothing changes. I was a little bit – I was shook by that when we went last time. And I know Parker Thune still likes to make fun of me. Um, but I was still shook that South Dakota's in the central time zone. That just does not compute with me. But, yeah, no. Wait a minute. Uh, it is? Right on top of us. Yeah. Go ahead. I, yeah, I, huh. Thank you, Teach. And, <laughs> and, in fact, Parker, whenever I walked in, he goes, uh, he goes, did you take geography in high school or anything? I'm like, yeah, you know, now that you look at the map, it makes sense, but it just doesn't. Uh, it, anyway, back to what matters, softball. Everything's in the time zone. And it's a good schedule. T-Row, I think, timing-wise, I, I think Coach is happy kind of how things played out. Um, with the amount of time they get between games and the amount of time they get to have uh, 
a little bit of free time and, again, immerse themselves in, you know, this final season for these 10 and go out and try to do something that's never been done before. But um, it's different. We're staying. Last time we came here in 20, we were, it was really cool to you. We were able to walk from the stadium field. I mean, and so basically you would just see, it was like Little League, man. You would just be walking from there, uh, from one field to the next field, and, and that's how it was. And this year, though, we're a little bit further, I think about seven minutes away from the field. But it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome environment. There's a lot of Sooner fans on this flight, too. I'm, uh, really? That's cool. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been kind of in a good way. Do you know who you're way. sitting by, or is this a Southwest flight where you get to pick your seats? Do you know who No, you're, uh... you know what? I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little separate from the team. So That's I have like my own because I'm from, so, so it's probably best, right? They don't need me uh, picking uh, picking their brain. What are, you watch, what are you watching or listening to on the flight? Have you downloaded anything? Um, I mean, to be honest, I I was going to download this show, but obviously I don't have. <laughs> we're not going to have time for that. So I um I have this new podcast that I've been checking out, Tiro. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's about this disappearance. Uh, I, her sister's telling the story now. So I guess it was this internet phenomenon that I missed out on, but it's this Massachusetts student and their whole family are West Point grads, so that kind of pulls me in a little bit more. Okay. It's a mystery. Oh, yeah. You're going to listen to it like a Dateline or a 2020 kind of a thing or something Probably like that. not the smartest thing for me, knowing some of my fears on this flight, but that's what I do. And then when we land, Toby, I'm, I'm really intrigued to kind of see two things. Where, um, where that battle at second, short, and third ends up. I mean, we talked about it a lot. Uh, Alyssa Brito is just too good a third. So it looks like it will be TR start there, and then we'll see that battle between Lilio and Avery Hodge and others. Uh, that left field spot, you know, right field, center field, pretty locked down, but did Hannah Core do enough in the fall to, to carry over to the spring? And there's a freshman named Cassidy Pickering. I say her name a lot. Uh, I think she's a rock star. So uh, it's going to be fun to see how this team handles things. And then equally as intriguing as to how good this podcast is, and if it leads me to buy a binge plus subscription, whatever that means. When you land, I'm intrigued to see whether or not you make it through customs this time. Dude, don't even do uh, this to me right now. I'm so shook. I'm so shook. Did you get your color copy of your passport, and did you ever find out why you needed that? So, Good question. We got a couple seconds here, T-Row? Yeah. Okay. So, number one, yes, TGI, I did. And the concern is there has been uh, passport theft is a big problem. Ah. I say this is my bag is on a chair that's separated from me. So if you <laughs> if you have like at least that, that record of it, gotcha. then it gotcha. kinda, you, you, can't, you can't get back in, but it helps them to rebuild it. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, Toby, the custom side of it. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm the only person in the history of the Sooner Radio Network who has ever had to go basically into the belly of the beast of the Port of Vallarta Airport and Customs in order to get right. my radio equipment in and then have to pay for it. Um, but I feel confident about this time around. I feel confident. I, I got through in 20 without any problem. I had readjusted how I packed, and, uh, and I think that's going to be a I big deal to, uh, to get. Thank you. And by the way, can I um, – uh-oh, boarding looks – oh, that's a different – I got worried there. Boarding looked like it was pushed back for a moment. Everything is on time. Uh, Toby, I'll leave you with this. Do you know how much it is to park a day – the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Ungodly amounts of money. Yes, we talked about this when, uh, TJ, where okay. was it I went recently? We we drove to <laughs> Dallas as a family because mm-hmm. tickets were cheaper out of there. Yeah, but then parking but was $9,000. we got back, we had to pay like $250 to get our car. It's a, 
un- you got to park on the airport. Yeah, it's- I'm so I, cheap, I, I, Plank. I, I, I found a lot uh, that is uh-huh. like a shuttle, like but it takes like 15 miles in like 30 minutes. But I'm like, I'm so cheap. I'm like, scam. we're parking in this Dude, lot. DFW is a I scam, was- man. I just, I just wanted to say, uh, it, it, Kelly, call you if you're listening. That's the expense. That's all. That's the only thing I'll expense from this oh, trip. Boy. Parking because expense incoming. Twenty seven fifty a day. People find you an off, and it's and you mentioned the shakedown. You have no other choice. You take this no. ticket whenever no. you take that exit, and you're there. So anyway, that, that's my side travel story, gentlemen. Uh, we have the game Friday night, right, TJ? On the uh, ref? Friday and Saturday, we'll have those on the ref. Ooh, yeah, let's go. We're excited. I can't wait, man. I'm glad that we were able to slide in a chat today. Safe travels. Have a great broadcast, uh, several great broadcasts. We'll be listening to them all. Tell Coach I said thank you for the personal favor she did for me. She'll know what I'm talking about. And, oh, okay. Uh, oh, have, have, I bet that's yeah. what she wanted to say. Have a great trip. You guys rock. Have a great rest of your day, Toby. Great call last night, TJ. Have a good one. See you guys. See you, buddy. Chris Plank headed to Mexico with the three-time defending national champion OU softball team. Shout out to Peyton and Allen, by the way, from the Trails Golf Club en route to uh, DFW listening this morning. We'll be back. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. All right, I'm going to pay a, uh, play a couple of pieces of audio here, TJ. Um and they're both really, really good. All right, we're going to start with uh, Rivaldo Suarez. Four straight games now in double figures. What do you have last night? 11, 12? Something uh, like that. I think I 12. That's what he ended up with last night. He's playing great, man. He's shooting the ball. He's defending like crazy. Um, yeah, I told you a few games ago, Teach, about him getting up and addressing the team after the after a loss before the coaches got in there and, and challenging them and and Kevin talked to him after the game. Listen to this, folks. This is uh, this is fantastic. Waldo, twelve and six, man. Another great game for you. What's what's gotten into you lately? You've been playing some really good ball. Man, uh, I almost get emotional talking about it. I only got eight guaranteed games left after this, you know. And when you put life in perspective, bro, I've been through a lot. So, you know. I'm just trying to stay positive, fight through everything this year. And that's all I'm about right now, you know, uplifting my teammates. That's all I care about. My stats don't matter. I, I saw you and Coach Gates had a moment right there. What did he tell you? Just how proud of uh, me he is, you know, just my growth as a man, let alone a basketball player, my growth as a man. And that's kind of why I'm emotional right now, you know. He just, I got people in my corner, good people in my corner. And that's all I can ask for, man. You know, he he gives me all the all the energy I can ask for, man. So just keep going. Like I said, I got eight guaranteed games left. You know, you never know what can happen. I'd rather be raw all on the floor. Well, you're doing a great job, man. Keep up the good work. Appreciate that, man. Yes, How about that? Man, huh? that's emotional. What's going on there? I mean, I, I guess mean, it's coming, it's winding down for him. I guess that's part of it. So he's never been to the NCAA tournament, right? Nobody on this team has, and this is the last shot for him. And he's playing like it. He is. No, he definitely is, and he's been really fun to watch um, the last three or four games, especially. And uh, he has. He's brought some uh, brought some great energy to the floor for the team. 
we come on the radio, and I think as fans, we sit around and talk around the water cooler, which isn't a thing anymore, I don't think. But and you We've know, this guy, yeah, this guy stinks. That guy stinks. That guy's you know good, whatever. <clears throat> Nil transfer portal, all that kind of stuff. And in the middle of that, we forget. I forget that, like. Your son, for example, is infatuated with baseball, right? He's mm-hmm. eating up with it. Right. He's at camps. He's playing in the backyard. You're playing catch. He's doing batting practice. He's, I don't know how many teams he's on now. At some point, he's going to start playing school ball. He's going to play through junior high. He's going to play, I hope, God willing, high school ball. God willing, he'll get a college scholarship somewhere and go play college ball. And hopefully this isn't the case for him, but if he's like 99.9% of all people who play sports out there, he do, he's not going to go play professionally. Right. Rivaldo Suarez, maybe, probably not. And you think of all of the hours, all of the games, all of the practice, all of the effort, all of the money that is put into a kid uh, a, a teenager, a young adult, into playing a sport. And when it starts getting near the end, you're like, it! this is it. Like, like after this, I'm done with basketball. Probably. Like, i, I got to get a real I gotta job be a in the real, real world. i got to be a real guy in the real world, yeah. All of this, my whole life has been centered around basketball. And this is it. Or football or baseball or whatever your sport may be. And uh, I mean that realization is 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 fueling him right now, and uh, he's playing great. Well, he right. sounds like the kind of guy with that thought process and that attitude and that leadership that uh, basketball may be a part of his future for a very long yeah, time. Just that's in right. a different that's role. Right. Yeah. Every once in a while, too, that Boston accent seeps in. You hear it. You know? <laughs> this is a weird piece of audio, and before you get mad at who it is, I want you to bear ah. with me. Mike Steely sent this to me this morning. I was Uh. really reluctant to play it until I heard it because I know how a lot of people feel about this guy. But this is Stephen Colbert. Oh, what are you doing? No, I don't. (laughs) Stephen Colbert had a tribute last night to Toby Keith. And if you know anything about their political beliefs, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Which is really the point that's being made here and it is fantastic it's about three minutes so take a listen to this i i think you'll enjoy it now uh folks as you've probably heard uh last night we lost one of the greats country music legend toby keith passed away at the age of 62 now i was shocked and saddened when I saw the news this morning, I knew Toby was ill and he'd been fighting stomach cancer for some time, but I still had hope that we'd see each other again and that we would hear him on the stage. Because I was lucky enough to become friends with Toby over the years, as improbable as that seems. We met very early on on the Colbert Report, and back then there was a not-so-helpful legend that I had knives out for some of my guests, and it didn't help that at the beginning I sometimes did. And I remember having some kind of plan for Toby, I think related to his booting your ass song, but... Right before I went on stage, I remember vividly looking down at my shoes and saying, what are you doing? You're a host. He's your guest. Make him feel welcome. See who he is. And what do you know? We hit it off like a house of fire. I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed talking to Toby Keith. 
And evidently, Toby had a good time, too, because after the show, I was headed to a post-mortem meeting, and he was coming out of his green room, and those rooms were on the same hallway. And as he was heading for the door that goes out on 54th Street, he turned and caught my eye and said, Hey, man, you do a great job. Whatever the f*** it is you do. <laughs> and I took that as the greatest compliment, so much so that my, my then head writer, Allison Silverman, uh, for Christmas, had that stitched on a pillow for me. And it, it has been in my office ever since. That day, Toby taught me not to prejudge a guest and to have my intention, but to keep my eyes open to the reality of who they are. And for that lesson, and for a lot of other things, I'm always going to be grateful. This is a man who rose from Oklahoma's oil fields, where he worked on a rig, and the state's football fields, where he was a semi-professional defensive end, to become one of the most consistent hit makers in country music for more than three decades. 20 Billboard number one songs, 42 top 10 hits, and rooms full of platinum and gold albums. Toby was a great performer, unapologetically patriotic, opinionated, brash, often controversial, but resonating with legions of fans by writing their lives in a very real and entertaining way. So we had him on a lot. He was always fun. He was in my, my Christmas special back in 2008. Uh, we had him on this show where he gave me that guitar you see right there, which my son now plays, and I hope he'll think of Toby when he does it. One of my greatest honors was when I was asked to induct Toby into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, where I got to sing As Good As I Once Was, a song I used to listen to every night before going on stage. I think he enjoyed how unlikely a pair we seemed. I sure did. You know, like when, when people are excited when a duck and a horse are friends? <laughs> well, for the record, I was the duck. <laughs> but Toby was always surprising people. You would think you, you know who Toby Keith was. And then you're watching Obama's Nobel acceptance speech, and there's Toby Keith giving him a standing ovation. Toby, what are you doing this time? Toby taught me not to judge people too quickly. And with his passing, I'm going to try to remember that again. It's something we all need to remember, because I'm sure Toby and I disagreed about many things, as so many Americans do these days. More and more of us are angrier and angrier with each other. But tonight... I will issue this invitation to anybody. I do not care who you are. I will meet you at this place. I will meet you at being brokenhearted that Toby Keith is gone. Thank you, big dog. We'll be right back with John. Good stuff. We'll be back. T-Row in the Morning Show rolls on next. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Toby and TJ back with you. T-Row in the morning show. Hightower Clinical brings you this hour. They work in many, many different areas. If you think they can uh, be beneficial to you or a loved one through uh, clinical trial opportunities, find out what they're working with. Hightowerclinical.com, 405-831-5905. Good clip there. Good clip there from Stephen Colbert. I don't know if you know this, Toby, but the X, the Twitter, is a very, very dark place. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff going on yesterday on there in regards to Toby's passing was like, I couldn't comprehend it. And hmm. so in a bad way, in a bad way, like, uh-huh. and so that's good. Like politically, you know, some things that you believe in and stuff, you don't have to agree, but you can find yeah. common ground and not be everything friends. in the world has to be politics. <laughs> right. <either. laughs> and yesterday, the, there was some things going on that I 
accidentally stumbled upon and then I'm like angry and like why how can you even have a thought process like this but anyway that's good to hear good to hear a, a lot of that yesterday some of the um stories and stuff like Kid Rock man Kid Rocks was did you see what Kid Rock said I did not see that uh-huh. so they were obviously good friends and did a bunch of trips for the troops and stuff together and they actually competed about well I've been 20 times well I've been 25 and he said he knew Toby had been way more than him but he would always get TK fired up by telling him uh, that he had been more times over to see the troops and stuff knowing that Toby had been way more uh, times than he had but he said that he's going to live with regret forever because he was in Vegas the night of the three shows but he had a commitment in Vegas but he said I remember Walking around in Vegas, and he either told his assistant or his, uh, I don't know if he's got a wife or girlfriend, what it was, someone that was with him, he said, I need to back out of this thing and go see Toby. And they're like, nah, you can't back out of this commitment, you got this, and he goes, I'm going to regret it if I don't. Well, business side ended up winning out, and he said, I didn't go, because I told myself Mm -hmm. I've got other times to see him and party with him. And he goes, I'm going to regret it forever. He's I was there, I was in Vegas, but... A lot of people like yesterday with you know Reba and uh, where was that at? Do you know? Um, I I could have told you a few weeks ago when Casey Mm -hmm. and them went, but I don't remember now at this point. So if they're listening, they can text us and remind us. But yeah, he Mm -hmm. says I was there, and I even thought about it, and I told myself I was going to regret it. And he said, sure enough, you know, unfortunately, this is where we're at now. So, uh, but great, great clip there from Stephen Colbert. I thought Uh, a couple of texts here, real quick. Uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, biggest compliment when you get a glowing testimonial about your character slash life from someone that is from the opposite side of opinions. Rest in peace, TK. That's from Kevin in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, Santa John says, I just tuned in. Who was that speaking about Toby Keith? I would like to find that so I could listen to it in its entirety. Um, Stephen Colbert. I'm not sure where, Steely, I'm sure on YouTube or... Yeah, it was a YouTube Twitter clip. or something that you can yeah, find it that was clip. Yeah, a YouTube clip. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Stephen Colbert last night from his show. Yeah. All right, top of the hour break. Uh, Wednesday morning here on The Ref. We'll be back.